I think they teach the opposite of how to have strong self-esteem. I think they teach, I don't think they teach at all about what values are, what roles are in your life. I think they teach you, you can have whatever value you want and that's okay. I want to make a metaphor to like the IT staff, right? There's a, there's a point where you, you don't have enough. And then there's like, I think I have enough, but it's not enough. And then you have too many staff. And like at that point, maybe uh, you're doing okay. <laughs> I don't know. But with the kids, with yeah. the kids, two kids is you're still doing everything. So kind of like your IT staff, like if you don't, if you're not at a big enough company and you're like a staff of like two people, then, uh, you might do too much stuff. If that makes sense, you might No, And, and you might hold hands too much to the point. Yeah. And, and that's, that's true. And, and if, if you're, if you're a leader or you're expected to be a leader, uh, you know, if your team is too lean, Mm. And you have to jump in and be underground and uh, do the nitty gritty work. Who is peeking up above the trees? Where's the time for leadership at really that point? Really see the big picture and be able. To, yeah, yeah. There, there is no time. You know, and if, then, if, if you're yeah, so it's kind of like kids. Is, is you're, you're, with kids, when you have two kids, you're making beds. You're still you're doing dishes. You're doing all this stuff. You're, you're failing to teach them to do this. Okay, so then you get up to a staff, like you get a medium-sized staff, and we got like four people, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like, wow, now I really need to lead, and I've, I've never led before, and what am I doing? And people are complaining, and they're asking for this and that, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm like flooded with stuff. This is four kids. Four kids was the hardest. <laughs> four kids was the hardest number. And then... Your wife's like, you know, we, you know, we need to have some more staff. Let's bump it up one. Let's bump it up one. But you don't get one. They're like, hey, just, you, just one more. You got two head yeah. count. You got a double head count. So then you get twins, and then you end up with six kids, and you're like, oh my lord. And then um, uh, eventually you end up with eight kids like me. And at that point, you realize you'll never survive. Like you will sink this ship very quickly. If you don't learn to delegate and teach and train people, you will quickly uh, sink this ship. So now I just lay back and I don't do dishes. I don't change diapers. I don't do any of that stuff anymore because I've taught all the other kids to do that. I actually have six-year-olds that change diapers. That's got to be wild to some people. People are going to oh. think I'm oppressing people. They're going to think I'm opp- oppressive. You know, I, I, get, I have kids doing laundry. I've got kids cooking dinner. Hey, what's for dinner? You know. <laughs> See, that, that is the, but that's the, that's the goal of, of, uh, of, of leadership. You know, if, when, once you get to the point where you can delegate, it's, <laughs> it, it's amazing how, how many people in managerial positions that, uh, fail to delegate and they try to do everything themselves. The, but eight kids. Wow. Yeah. And I, I was I, the guy I, I that's I like, I was like a hippie in college too. I was never going to get married. I was never going to, I would never going to get like a, you know, like a real job and work for the man. I was going to like, you know, think of, I was thinking of living in a trailer on the beach and surfing for the rest of my life. And then, uh, my brother-in-law, you know, <laughs> he said to me, we were having this conversation. And I was telling him that and he's like, oh, so you're, you're going to amount to nothing and, and, and give back nothing to the world. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. You know, cause I was thinking like, you know, like, oh, the rat waste, concrete jungle, like all this stuff, you know, like, like, you know, I'm not getting into all that. He's like, oh, so you're, you're pretty much going to amount to nothing. I was like, oh, good point. And then, uh, that was the end of that. It was, it's amazing how some well, the- people can say one thing to you. And that one thing sticks. It might come at any, at at a time that's completely random, but have you ever had someone say something to you and you never forgot it? You, you, you can picture in your head where you were, what you were doing, and they said something to you that was so like life altering, yet it seemed simple to them and it changed the entire course of your life. I'm feeling very deep today. Have you ever had someone say that, say something to you? Can you think of something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's, I, I'm trying to think of, I feel like I've had hundreds of those moments because, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, every, 
every I, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room when I walk in. It's and I've been around some really really smart people, and you know I always have my little notebook with me uh, and to take down notes when I hear hear something. But what I also have is I have the shortest memory in in the world. So oh, here we go. People know I'm always honest. You know, <laughs> I'm always honest, and I can't lie because I cannot. I can't. I cannot remember what I said. So, uh, but I I know what you're saying. Memory is um, an uh, interesting the, thing. I'm uh, fascinated. Those light bulb moments. I'm fascinated with memory. And, and okay, so anyways, we, we should probably do a proper introduction here. Everyone out there uh, listening, you're listening to dissecting popular IT nerds. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to have Daniel Milbank on the show, and for numerous reasons other than this article that I read of yours, which, um, you know about digital transformation and and all these you know words that we we throw around in the industry, and uh, so we're gonna I, I have us. I think we can take that to the next level. I have an idea of a question that I want to ask you how we can take that to the next level. But before we do that, um, um, you know, IT leader, protege, uh, extraordinaire at Express Global Systems. You guys are a, like a logistics transportation delivery, um, so to speak, or uh, I don't want to butcher this. So you tell me. Yeah, we are. We're, yeah, we're a, we're a national uh, uh, logistics company that's we are specializing in flooring or floor covering. That's great. Uh, so we got around 30, probably around 35 locations across the United States. And what so, we do really well is is the work that the rest of the logistics companies just hate to do. And that is ma- uh, handling rolled goods. Man, when I... You got, you know, you can't you can't take a forklift and and pull, pull, pick up a huge roll of, of carpet. Uh, mm. So we just specialized in that and said, okay, everybody hates to do it, and let, let's get really good at that. And we did, and now we're we're the largest actor in in that space in the United States. You have said so many amazing things so far. You don't even know it. Uh, you um, don't even know it. Which is like, there's so much to that. Just do what everyone else hates to do and you'll be successful. Um, you know, if you're willing to do what other people are unwilling to do, you'll be successful. <laughs> I mean, exactly. to a yep. degree. I mean, That's I don't, very true. I don't mean like, you know, like shady, like, you know, bad things. I mean, um, you know, be willing to do things that other people are unwilling to do. Like, like, Step outside your comfort zone, for example. By the way, you did say something about your memory. I'm going to challenge you on that one because I'm fascinated with memory. And I've been horrible. I've been, I, I've always told myself uh, uh, that I've been terrible at memory. But uh, when I made a big change in my life, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Zig Ziglar and he says, quit your stinking thinking, you know, and don't, you know, don't self kind of like, you know, uh, defeat yourself, you know, the self-defeatist mentality. And I've always told myself I've had a poor memory as well. But now I have been, fana- uh, you know, fascinated with, you know, audio books and, and audible. And, and I've probably got like 20 books on memory in there. And it's amazing the things that you can, the, like the tools that you can use, memory palaces, various different things uh, to, um, you know, to memorize things. I think George Bush had something like 50,000 names memorized. Like he wouldn't forget a name. And part of that is just the technique that people use to remember names, like some crazy visualization, like an owl. Like anytime I meet Al, I just imagine a huge Allen wrench sticking out of his head, flying up into the sky. And I can never forget that. I'll, I'll always remember Al. As many owls have I had, Joe, if his name's Joe, I imagine Joe Blow with a big, massive, like, bubble gum, you know, bubble coming out of his nose. I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, anyways, memory, um, me- me- I'm fascinated with memory. And anyways, that that's kind of like a little side note, but to the, the flooring thing. So doing, back to the flooring, doing what everyone um, hates to do, and you guys do it really, really, really well. And you were part of this article on, um, you know, how to use digital transformation basically to take your, your company to the next level. And that's really near and dear and kind of the heart of 
of this show in general, which is how do we get IT directors to kind of step out of their comfort zone and challenge the old ways of IT is a cost center. Um, I see, uh, you know, IT is is always just a, a line item on the budget. IT doesn't really make the company money, et cetera, et cetera. You know all those things. Um, yeah. So maybe and that's that's the reason I I was uh, pulled in to to XGS in the first place. Uh, you know, Express Global Systems. We call it XGS. And uh, X Men. So what do we you know, do? I worked for. Well, I, you know, I worked at uh, at a private school, uh, a nonprofit for for eighteen years. Okay. So I knew how to squeeze every little cent out of a dollar, and uh, uh, I've had uh, I had some really good mentors, and and uh, when I ran into frustrations i went to them and and eventually they took me under their wing and said hey you might be a good fit for what we're looking for and that's how i got into express global systems and and they had they had just started this huge investment in Mm -hmm. uh technology you know to logistics is is kind of known for uh being behind on the uh, technological side of not leveraging technology as well as a lot of other industries. It was basically starting starting from scratch. The uh, uh, the server room was literally the a little pavilion, HP pavilion desktop sitting on the floor, uh, and you know now we call it the little desktop that could because it was it was running the whole company at that time and. Did you save we it? Just, we've changed it around. Uh, oh, we have it. Absolutely. That's a memorabilia. So, <laughs> should be like in a glass uh, case. For, <laughs> it should be. It should be, literally. Uh, but, okay. you know, now two years later, we're, we're in a tier three data center. Uh, we, we still manage a lot of our uh, servers uh, on-prem or at the, at the data at the offsite data center, but not going to the cloud just yet. And that that's a discussion in itself, but can you it, explain, can you explain to me what some of the strides, uh, what were some of the, what were some of the biggest problems and what were some of the, I guess, new efficiencies or measurable results, right? Because I always, mm-hmm. people love to talk in, I don't know, we call it, we could call it IT philosophy or whatever we want to talk it ideas, but I am huge. I'm a numbers guy. I think everything is in the numbers. I think anytime you need to sell something to executive management, anytime you need to, the numbers speak, right? Like people, um, people lie, right? Like numbers don't ever lie. You, you know what I mean? So 100%. what were, yep. What, what kind of can you paint a picture for me? Like, what were some of the problems before, and and how did I don't know network speed or whatever it was something um, change and make a difference? And before was it like kind of like a, if it was it a, if it's not broke don't fix it mentality? What was it? Uh, no, it's it's. I want to say it, it was a mix between. Uh, a, a place that had just had been mismanaged. So it was very easy to show value starting mm. out. Uh, it, it's the, uh, the previous IT leadership. Uh, it, was, it was obvious that they had done everything that they could to their ability. And, you know, I can only commend those guys for, for, for what they, they, they definitely did their best. You know, there's definitely the, the intentions were good, uh, but there was, you know, going back to delegating, like we talked about, uh, there, there was traces of people trying to do everything themselves. And the team was very small at that time. Uh, and just, it, it, it just wasn't sustainable. So when I came in, the, the first thing was, you know, let's, Let's look at the budget and let's see what what the what was spent on IT the previous year or the last three years so that I can see where the money went because my my first 
anticipation was, okay, there, there's some bleeding going on here, and let's cut the bleeding. That's that's low-hanging fruit in terms of value right there. And we probably, just with like easy effort, saved a good half a million dollars in the first year of Man. cutting things out or, uh, uh, you know, MS, MSPs that were hired in to do the work, but uh, felt like they were taking advantage of, of, the, of the company. So I had some hard conversations with some MSPs. Um, and uh, so that, that was the first year was a lot of cleanup and a lot of listening. So, you know, and that's kind of, it was a, a, a difficult role to manage both of those sides because the listening, you know, you want to step back. You want to see how are, how are things r- ran around here. I don't want to go in here and just disrupt everything. But at the same time, I see this bleeding everywhere that uh, it, it had to be uh, taken care of. And so very early, I uh, put, took my guys uh, into a room and we basically talked through it and, and said, hey, you know, this is, this is where, where the money is going. This is where I see where the money is going. And they had been shielded from a lot of that. that uh, the rest of the team. So I'm, how were they shielded? How were they shielded? Because I almost pull my hair out on a daily basis. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I speak with someone and you see something that's just so stupid. It's like, like you said, and I want to say stupid, like low hanging fruit, like such an obvious, mm-hmm. obvious, mm-hmm. like waste of money. But yeah, but people don't change it. I don't understand. No, and, so how were it's, people shielded? How did they, you know what I mean? Like, how did they not know? And well, I, they might have known, but they were, they felt like they were uh, in a helpless position because they didn't get to um, make any decisions. So it was you know, organizational, that, 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 this, it was basically organizational structure. So oh, you had yeah. To, you had to restructure your organization so that people felt empowered. That, you know, what do, you, what do you call it? The distributive le- leadership mm. where you got to have your, your team has to be able to make some decisions. But if, if you have someone on the top that micromanages everything, uh, the, the rest of the team is going to lose, lose ownership in, in the work that they're doing. And it creates this dependency that uh, it becomes, becomes like a sickness. I think you should write an article for the blog for the dissecting popular IT nerds blog. And I think it should be called, is your MSP taking advantage of you? Oh yeah. I'll get, I'll get a a lot of hate mail from that one. I'm sure. (laughs) That's why we got to write it. That's why we have to write it. Um, That's a whole nother show. I just, I just wanted to throw that Mm -hmm. out there because that is, it's one of the reasons why I decided in my career to go a different route than the majority of the people. So uh, for years in the corporate world, I supported MSPs and I love mm-hmm. MSP and, and I loved it. I, I loved it more than um, I kind of was in this like direct selling route and I didn't like direct sales because you're always selling one product, right? And you and I both know that you you can't fit a square peg into a round hole and it's just not a fit for everybody. And I don't, I somewhat have a conscious conscience and I just don't want to, you know what I mean? I want to, I want to provide the best possible solution. I'm a solutions guy, right? I'm not a one product guy, like a solution. And, um, no, and don't, and don't get me wrong. You know, there, there's a, there's definitely a place for MSP. Absolutely. No, absolutely. You know, uh, you, you, you know, might not want to, you might want to outsource your help desk. You might want to outsource, uh, I don't know, a 2000 mobile devices and you don't want to manage that cardboard box of all the broken devices that are coming in your office. I, I work with them all day, every day. So I get it. Um, but there's also the, I got comfortable getting paid every month. MSP yes. that kind of sat back, that kind of sat back and didn't do their job of providing customer care and thought, you know, well, we're just going to 
keep getting paid on this, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so there's got to be a certain level of accountability and holding your vendors accountable. Um, an MSP is a vendor. It can't just be like, hey, we're doing, and then they say like, well, we're doing all that for you. We're like, no, we, we still need to hold you accountable as well. Um, so uh, low-hanging fruit, finding money, um, finding the stupid things that people are paying money on that you don't need to. I can probably think of a thousand ideas, but a thousand op, you know, things that I've seen. But what were what was yeah. one of the what was the number one thing you saw that was like low, like or the top three things that were just, you know, bleeding money. Uh, not just inefficiencies. On, I would say before, you know, other than. Uh, not a proper process in terms of uh, selecting the right solutions for the for the business. Uh, too much top-down decisions where the people on the ground were not, not part of making decisions, and the when when you start pushing on your way of doing things to your employees and you know company-wide when you bring in technology and say hey this is how we're going to do it now but they didn't have a say so in in selecting these new technologies uh the resistance that that builds and how that drags out deployments or is it it becomes probably the most costly of uh, of, of any mistakes that, that a company can, can do. If they do not take the time to thoroughly partner with everyone in the business, and that goes down to, you know, for us, that's the dock worker, uh, the guy who drives the forklift, the, our truck drivers. If they're not part of the decision-making for tools that they will be using, uh, don't be surprised when, when you push these tools out and nothing happens and it, you don't see the value of it. The, the whole point of, uh, you know, I, I had to tell my guys of deploying a new solution is 30%. The other 70% is adoption. Mm. And we are responsible for that part too. A, a real IT department has to take that adoption part into account. And uh, that's the part that makes you the partner with the business and not this uh, IT in the silo where, sure, we can spit out as much solutions as possible. Here you go, you know, good luck with this. But that the adoption part is, and being able to uh, manage that resistance by being proactive instead of have to deal with all that after the fact. The that's where I think there's a lot of savings just by making the right decisions. The that's where and, um, that's where they learn your name. That's when they know the 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 people in the IDA part. IT department. That's when they actually know your name because exactly. of adoption. Because you've communicated with them. Because you've rolled out a, a an application that actually supports their job. That you asked their opinion. That you then showed them how to use it. That you stood over their shoulder, maybe handheld them a little bit, or I don't, you know, gave them a tablet that works on the trucks, or I don't know, whatever it is. Um, well, being able to, you know, first my first thirty days. I just took my little notebook and I went around to every department mm. and, and talked to people. And uh, you could see when I started asking que questions about, you know, tell me that one thing that you think uh, IT can help with. Tell me what's your biggest pain point? Like, what is it that frustrates you the most? What stops you from doing your work efficiently? And, you know, there they're giving me all these great ideas. I, I get to, to hear the story of the business, uh, what's, what works well, what doesn't work well. And I'm writing all of this down and it is probably the most rewarding experience ever to 
now going back and, and talking with the same people to go like, you actually listened to us that first couple of weeks when you came in and, you know, our trust in you was very, very low and you made us all these promises and here we are today <laughs> where uh, we, we see the, the fruit of all that effort. And that's uh, like politician that has work. Been a, a truly amazing experience, you know, going from, Hey, I don't, we don't know where the truck is mm -hmm. or, uh, we lost the 53 foot trailer, mm -hmm. uh, to today where I can pull up any one of our trucks on a Google map and, and literally see it drive down the road on a map. And so I know where every truck is at every, any given time, given, given just a tool like that to your customer service department, uh, to be able to answer the very basic questions of, you know, in logistics. And that is, where is my stuff and when am I going to get it? How about delays? It, that's really how simple it is. If I, can, if I can answer those two questions or help answer those two questions as IT, very easy partner with the business but you don't type questions if you listen in on the cut you do or they uh, are we giving them the tools that uh, that they need to do that and you know you can't employ people and then on the first day of the uh, on the job tie their hands behind their back and tell them to drive a forklift you know it's it's Hey, having, I, having the right tools for the job and being able to uh, keep your promises. If you don't, it, it's it's just so so important. And I think there there was a that there was a lot of distrust in IT, where there's a, a lot of things had been said, but very little had been done. And I was I was just. Uh, what's I, I'm trying to figure out the English word. I have four languages going around in my head still, even though I've been in the United States for a while. But it's and uh, you said you had I, a problem I was with. I to make sure that. And you said you had a problem with memory. Can you speak four languages? Uh, well, languages is that's it. That it's like a habit. You know, it's it's something. It becomes a reflex. Tell me, uh, tell me how I, I'm, I'm dying to learn a second language. I have been wanting to speak another language forever. It's so daunting to me. Are you saying just, you just got to start speaking? That's it. You, you, you have to, uh, immerse yourself in it. So you go cannot, there. you will never be able to learn a, a, a language efficiently. I don't think so. At least staying here in the United States. I'm out. You know, that's, I'm out. That's like <laughs> reading a, reading a pamphlet and saying that you've been to Spain. You know, you, those are two very different things. You can read all the books you want about Spain, but you go to Spain for a month. Anything in those books, uh, you know, you will learn a hundred times faster. So okay. I, I've had the fortune to to live in multiple countries before I came to the United States, and and just getting the you know the feel for different cultures. Uh, different type of people. Uh, I think that has helped me a lot in in just how I interact with people and mm -hmm. uh, and and just try to try to listen. Uh, people just want to be listened to. You know, that's uh, when I was in Egypt uh, last time. I know very little Arabic, and when I was in Egypt last time, and the fact that you just said people love to listen, uh, one of my very close friends that I was visiting left me alone with his uh, uncle. <laughs> and I, I was just nodding my head like yes saying nam like yes nam and he was speaking for like a half an hour i had no clue anything that he was saying but he just loved that i was sitting there saying yes yes and no nodding clue, my head yep. <laughs> no clue See? but uh i might have learned a few things i might have picked up a couple things um 
the I want to ask you one of the more difficult questions, and that yep. is uh, the 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 question is how do you how do you hire how do you hire for digital transformation? So everyone wants to talk about digital transformation. We're doing this for digital transformation. We're doing this. I don't know if I've ever had, I've ever seen an article or someone ask, how do you hire for digital transformation? And I think you might have the answer. That That's a really good question. And yeah, you're right. I, I have never, I've never been asked that before. I try and, to, you know, I'm trying to blow people's minds here, even though I'm just a bearded dude no, that yeah, sits in his and, little and office, you're, you're you know. You're doing it. You're doing it slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely. You're definitely uh, accomplishing that. But I, I want to say you need to be looking for very specific parts, or not parts, but a, a, a specific type of person that that aligns with what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, do they have, uh, do they agree with your, your vision, uh, the values that you have? Uh, is the work ethic there? Uh, and some questions that I ask uh, when, when I interview people is, I want to know what they want. You know, it, are they clear on what they want? Do they have goals? Uh, do they have the mindset of being able to either be given a a goal or a directive, or have uh, have their own and be following that in in a methodical way that is. Uh, you know, is that is that experience there? Of it's it's very surprising to me how many people don't set goals for themselves, mm. and when they come into a workplace where when you look at a, a digital transformation effort, the uh, you have to have that defined. Of. Is that pretty easy uh, to it, teach, though? Is that because, to be fair? No, the, the, it, it is not easy to teach. Really? Because, to be fair, our schooling system leaves that mm-hmm. out entirely. They do not yes. teach, I think they teach the opposite of how to have strong self-esteem. I think they teach, I don't think they teach at all about what values are what roles are in your life. I think they teach you, you can have whatever value you want and that's okay. Uh, I think they teach, you you know, I don't think they teach high character. I don't think they teach how to have goals and work towards a goal. I never once did I have a goal setting class all through college until I got a job at a Cisco startup. And then they're like, okay, this is what a smart, no Starbucks actually Starbucks did. And uh, <laughs> I, can, I can tell you right away about, about the school system. I, I that is something I have a lot of experience with. OK, uh, well, you taught at a private school. The, so there you go. So what are we doing? Uh, well, yeah, I, I was I, I was managing the IT over there. But at the same time, you know, I had to teach mm-hmm. the teachers. And sometimes that's much harder than teaching the kids. Uh, but what you see in schools first of all they know, have the they have we, almost a thankless job anyways as much as we thank teachers yeah, that, and put this out oh, it's true yeah uh, it's, it's true. like you know i mean really like anyways go ahead <laughs> the uh, and and this is this is not i didn't come up with this uh, uh, or you know this uh, this is an observation from uh, uh, other folks that that uh, i've listened to but it it makes perfect sense on how school teaches that you, you don't learn collabor- collaborative work you don't la- learn to to work in a group to accomplish something you you're told to uh you you're assigned a project and you're supposed to do it yourself 
you're not supposed to ask someone else. You get in trouble if you if you come up to the teacher and you and Billy come up and say, hey, Billy and I put our heads together and we accomplished this task together. Hmm. That versus, what about the famous you know, group projects? What about the famous group projects in college, though, where like one guy does nothing? Another guy yeah, does the majority of the work. There's always that one guy to go like, you know, that's that doesn't contribute. Because uh, he wasn't passionate it, about it. He wasn't passionate yeah. about it. He didn't have the goals no, or the and, vision. And that, and that's what I want to come back to about the hiring. But to finish, you know, the, the collaborative part is not encouraged in school. Uh, and when you get to the workplace, if you go come up and say, "Hey, I I did." Uh, I'm finished with the IT strategy. All right. So did, did you uh, ask people for uh, for input? Uh, you know, uh, is there uh, who did you partner with to make sure that that this is all uh, you know that everything on there is validated? That this is uh, oh nobody. I did it all myself. If, if I had that type of approach, I would get fired. But at school, that is encouraged. So, so I guess my point back to the hiring, though. So we stick on the subject. Yeah. So we stick on this subject here. Sorry, because I it's my fault. I derailed this by making mm-hmm. blatant no, by by uh, making blanket yeah. com- by making bl- blanket comments about schooling. Um. The, no, but sticking to the hiring is you know one of the one of the main things that, that, that I ask is, you know, of course, where do you want to be in two, three years? So those are very basic questions that you should be ready for. Uh, and because there's, there's an exercise that, that I love to do with folks. And that is, let's, let me see your resume and let's recreate your resume of how you want it to look like three to five years from now. If, if I know that as a leader for my employees, when I it makes it so easy for me to actually select projects. You know, going back to that one guy who was not motivated to help because he was not interested. But if if I know what the interests are for everybody on my team, I know who to se- select. I when I make decisions, I can look at my team and I can use that to make sure that I get the most ROI from everyone on my team because uh, okay. I'm giving them projects of things that they love to do. So curveball. Mm-hmm. How do you? <clears throat> and that's in a very that's that's a a, a very American centric term. Curveball. Curveball. No one throws curveballs outside of America, by the way. I don't think cricket. I don't think you throw. I don't <laughs> think you throw a curveball in cricket. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah. Um, how do you know the the con artists, right? Because I've done ton. Just I'm I'm an interviewing. I feel like I'm a very good interviewer. I've interviewed a ton of people. Um, and I think when you ask someone, where do you want to be? Uh, I think a lot of people are going to say, I want to have your job. I want to have, uh, I want to be here. I want to be IT director. I want to be CIO someday, whatever. I want to maybe go branch into, uh, you know, security aspect. Cause I'm really into that. You, I think you can tell who's passionate, especially in the IT world. I think you would know whether someone's like really kind of, you know, giving you a load of crap um but at the same time how do you again grasp this aspect of digital transformation and how do you because i can't fault someone for not having goal setting skills but i think i could tell them i want your 30 60 90 day goals you don't know how that is works. Here's a smart goal. Here's how that. I'm giving like the basics of that, right? Yeah. And, and here's the vision. And here's no, that, the, that's true. Um, but, but I think there is the, the IT part of it is is the the when I focus the least on the actual technical aspect of it and mm-hmm. looking at more of the person that I'm hiring. That goes back to what you said. You know, can can you teach them? 
I can always teach them the technical part, but the, the mindset of a person of what, you know, or do they clock in and then clock out? And, and after, after four or five o'clock, they go home and, and do gardening and don't sit in front of their computer or don't think about, hey, I was frustrated today about X, Y, and Z. When I get in in the morning, I'm going to have an answer for those things. So I won't be able to go to go to sleep. Versus, <laughs> now you know, I'll go and do my gardening. Then I wake up, and then I'm frustrated the next day, and then I'm gonna take that out on the rest of the employees. It's that's a whole just mindset of, of how you approach problems. You know, it it be persistent. I tell everybody, you can have my job. You just need to be able to outwork me, and and you know, try try to out hustle me. And uh, you deserve my job if that's the case. And that's, you know, I'm not the smartest guy, but I will, I will outwork you any, any day of the week. So you want you want a company uh, guy? You, you you want a company guy? I want you. Look, man, I won't sleep. I don't want you sleeping at night. I want this to keep <laughs> you up at night. I want you to be miserable until this is solved. <laughs> Free time, yeah. work life balance, work life balance. You know, <laughs> no, no, hey, I got you. I got you. Work life balance. First of all, work life balance is, is you know it's kind of a myth, but you're speaking to somebody. You're speaking to somebody that was told his entire work career up until now, Phil. You gotta. You're too hard on yourself. You know, take it easy, right? Because I, I don't. Uh, I tell people all the time. I'm always working, and I'm always not working. Right, because mm-hmm. once the job's done, yeah, the job's done, right? And if I want to do something, I do it. But if there's a problem, I don't sleep. I can't. It, yeah. It's it's like a disease, right? It just takes over, and I'll work three, four months like nonstop, and then it'll be done, and I'll be like, okay, now what? Uh, so that's you. You you kind of you you describe me <laughs> into, into everything that you just said that is exactly how how i am and it, it's not always the the best approach i, I no, but you have to like agree it with that and i if you like you it it's okay yeah if you love you it do, it's okay it's not, yeah it's not it's not work if i yeah. hate it and goodbye i'm looking for people that love yeah you gotta you gotta love what you do if, if you don't you know i'm i don't have a ball and chain around your foot the door is right there if you don't love what you do let's find something else for you to do. And I, I am very open about that with my employees. It's, you know, let, we have, we have a, uh, a, a mission here. We got something that we need to accomplish. And that's kind of, you know, that's something that I talked with, with my boss about the other day is I, I'm, I'm not going to go somewhere else. You know, the job market right now is crazy. It's, People are offering uh, heaven and earth to, to uh, for people to come and work for them. But when you have a mindset of I have a mission, I have something I need to accomplish here. It's it's irrelevant to me of what offers are out there because I I need to finish this before I move on. You know, it's that is way too important to me than going and, and chasing the dollar somewhere else. Then. I, then I have nothing to uh, to show for, and and when you don't have that, you know what's the me- what's the whole meaning of it? So let's fish out some sense. new let's fish out some new behavioral interviewing questions that we can use to uncover whether someone could help us in our digital transformation, and it's almost like we have to get into their mind of how they make decisions or how they think about something or how they approach something. This is what I've found in my interviewing in the past. So I would think of, I know for IT, I don't know. Can you think, I would be, I would, me personally, I would be asking someone, tell me about a time that you saw a problem and how did you address it? Like, how did you approach that problem? How did you solve that problem? You tell me the story. I want to hear your story from start to finish. Kind of like you told me about, well, I, I first I looked for the low-hanging fruit. Then I went around. I talked to everybody. I had a clipboard. I had this. I have a very clear picture of how you're going to deal with a problem, and that makes me feel good because I know you're going to talk to my people. It's not like... 
well, you know, I look, I opened the logs and I saw that, you know, this was going on. So yeah. I called, you know, Oh boy. You know I what got I mean? a story about that. But be yeah, before, before that it's to add to your, to that question is when you were approached with a problem that you knew absolutely nothing about, <laughs> Ooh, like it. what was your, what was your approach to solve it? You know, that, Either you you can say, hey, well, you know, that's not my expertise. I got to leave that to someone else. Is that that is something I have I have never said that to a a supervisor, a uh, someone in the leadership team. If if they ask me something, I'm gonna find a way and. The second part of that is, you know, what I want to hear from a person is who do they reach out to? Who do they delegate work to? They need to find, you know, who's the subject matter expert of what it is, of, of the ingredients that I need to get to a solution. And this it's, is where we take... Once you start... Just so you know, this is where we take a commercial break and say, I called Phil. <laughs> Cause he knows, <laughs> I called Phil cause he knows everyone. Uh, that was my oh, good answer. Good answer. You're hired. You're hired. No, uh, joking. I'm joking, but go ahead. So where, um, I'm, I'm not joking, but I'm joking. Um, yeah. Who, what did you do? Who did you call? Who did you reach out to? Okay. So anything mm -hmm. else? It's if they are, if, if they are a, an IT guy with, with some kind of experience that, you know, or they, or the closet IT guy that you have to slide the pizza on, uh, under for, uh, because they, <laughs> you've been they listening to the show, zero social skills and, and, and yeah, no yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I haven't actually, you know, that's to be honest with you, I have not, but that is a, you know, that's a very typical type of, uh, person and you can recognize those away, you know, all the programmers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But then for <laughs> a digital transformation, that's not the type of person you want, right? You you need someone that can empathize with users, that can put themselves in, in, in the shoes of users. Uh, the Being able to understand problems that are outside of the scope of IT, because that that's where the that's where the sauce is, right? The, the sauce is not uh, how, how do I protect against the ransomware attack? How, how do I back up my uh, my servers? That that is minimum requirements today, right? It's we need to take this to to a a, a new level of. IT needs to be part of the business. And it goes back to what you said, you know, are we an expense department or are we a value department? Because expenses happen all over the business. But if we treat ourselves as a utility company, just keeping the lights on versus we are going to help you create uh, and have this business do business in a completely new way. If that is just internally to how we serve our customers, or do we open up brand new avenues of revenue that the company just didn't think about before because they don't have that thinking of that intersect between business and IT. And, you know, does the person that you're, you're, uh, you're interviewing, do they, do they have that kind of mindset? You know, do they read? It's it's amazing how many people don't read. Uh, do they do they listen to podcasts? Hmm. You know, it's it, uh, how how's how's time management? How do and you know it, it, sometimes you go down to the basics of uh, do they, do they use a calendar? You'd be surprised how many people don't don't use a calendar. You're and looking for a top oh, five percent. You know, the whole week has gone by. Yeah. You're looking and, for the five percenters. Uh, it is hard. 
You're looking for the five percenters. It is, That's it is hard. Yeah. I guess my I should well, have you asked. Need the, you need the A players. I should have you asked how do we make the A the players. Room. I should have asked how do we make yeah. the A players. That's what I should have asked, right? It's kind of like a like these zero day attacks log four J stuff. What do you deal with that? You know, like uh, oh. just. Yes. How do you prepare for the unprepared? How do you, you know, there's a lot of this stuff. Okay, so we can't get all the A players because A, we don't have enough money to pay for all A players. We got a bunch mm -hmm. of B and C players. So how do we make the C and B players A players, right? Well, that's where you come in. That's your job. You need to lead. You need to be inspirational. You need to teach, right? Because um, I think goal setting can be taught. I think, um, True. I, I think. People can be impassioned. I think we can. I'm. People call me. I, I found out the other day that I have a nickname that a lot of my friends were calling me. Didn't know about this. It's called Pot Fill Over the Top. They think that everything I do is way over the top and you know going above and beyond. But that's because I like to inspire people, and um, people are way more capable than they know. And I think we can take those A and C players and make it. Um, I don't know if we're going to solve that today, but um, maybe, maybe we'll leave with that. How have you? How do you, as a leader, transform people and encourage them to be more than they are? Trust and respect. Right? It's you need to trust and respect your your people and and instill this servant leadership mentality that. Uh, is is very uncommon, in, at least in my experience. With you know, your your part of the whole equation is to uh, to you know to help put the business into uh, a, a new state. You help you help the other users on how to uh, uh, how to think in a different way about problems that where, where technology can be used uh, uh, as, a, as a tool to, to benefit. And, and just to help, the, to help along the way, because a lot of times it seems... Just, yeah, just help, but just sit, like you said before, sit and observe. But you to know, help the other like, people uh, even listening, I guess what I'm saying is, is like how we do that, it's not a... First of all, there is a book called The Servant Leader, which people can read, Um but to provide actual help for other people out there listening, the because a lot of times it's not obvious how to do these things, and we want to simplify, we want to simplify this this cloudy idea of complicated stuff called leadership, which the engineering-minded software people to put them in a box and pigeonhole them <laughs> um, might not necessarily have the answer for. Uh, but ask questions. Why did you do that? What could we have done better? How, you know, I want to challenge people's thoughts, right? Challenge people's ideas. As a leader, that's our job to let them, you know, to challenge them. Um, ask them why they yeah, did that. Understand, un understand what it, uh, how, how, your, how do your people work? Uh, when you give them a, a task, is, uh, is there a resistance there? You know, just like with, uh, with users, uh, the same thing goes for your own your own team members is is the resistance that you're experiencing with your people if if you're not getting the result that that you want and you feel like that they're not taking on the the, the projects in uh, with as much passion as, as you would want is it a intellectual thing in that the, the, maybe they don't get it right uh or is it an intellectual thing is it an emotional thing is it a personal thing Mm. If I can categorize uh, the, uh, the the relationship I have with uh, with a person about a specific task, and and understand it makes me understand it in a whole different way, uh, and how to approach it, and that as a leader, being able to manage those three types of resistance. Uh, or, or relationships is uh, just well, helps you uh, 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 get your people on board. You know, is it 
uh, is it support and empathy that you that you need to provide, or or is it information and clarity? Is, yeah, or is it helping all, them come to terms with, or is it helping them come to terms with some toxic attitude they may have? A lot of times this is tough too. A lot of times we're we're afraid to have the tough conversations and help people help people realize how maybe a response of theirs was potentially arrogant or toxic or yeah. not the right response and helping them come to terms with hey, if you can't come to terms with yourself and the fact that that was toxic and wrong, I will help you uncover your uh better understanding of such situation to the point where you understand that that can't happen again and you need to fix mm -hmm. said problem. Um, those are things that we uh, have to do as leadership to make sure the ship doesn't go down in a burning inferno. Um, and a lot of times, because um, we're humans, right? Uh, everyone's humans and we have good days and bad days and we say things without thinking sometimes. And our close friends and good leaders are the ones that tell us the things we don't want to hear so that we can become better people. Yeah, that's true. And it's uh, su support your support your people, right? It's uh, you are the as, as a leader, you are the uh, buffer between all these crazy ideas that the sea levels have and that they want it the next day uh, and then your folks if, if you can't manage that part properly uh, you lose respect of, of your guys really really quick uh, if you can't have those discussions with, with with your leadership team of hey some things just take longer than uh, than immediate uh, and the, the best analogy that that uh, I've used with the leadership team, and just it's a good little tip for everybody that's listening, is you know baking a cake. You can have the best ingredients ever, and you can have directions exactly on okay, how do we mix all these together? And you you put it in the oven, and that cake takes 45 minutes to bake at uh, 350 degrees, hmm. let's say. You can't move up and change the temperature to 500 degrees and take that cake out after 15 minutes and expect the same result. Nope. And that is... You know, and it doesn't matter how hungry it doesn't matter how exactly. hungry the crowd is doesn't matter how hungry they are yeah yeah and you can only Some feed so many people time and yeah. you can only feed so many people with some <laughs> yeah you know I mean? no that's true exactly <laughs> but but that, that that some things just take a little bit longer and that is even that's so much more true when it comes to the adoption part that i talked about uh, if if it leaders spent more time and focused more on the adoption part of the deployment the the technical part is you can easily get help from the vendor with that part but you are responsible for the adoption part that's where the vendor can try to help but you know your people the best the vendor will never know your people that you support on a daily basis uh, as well as you do so uh, that's where IT hmm. leaders can definitely shine. And I see that ball being dropped way too often That's uh, when so, I talk to, to folks that are frustrated. So true. So true. Because they expect a vendor to know your company. No way. Never going to happen. No. Although the better the vendor a partner, the better a partner a vendor is, and the more involved they are in the adoption process, the better. Right? We don't want just a, hey, here you go. But and drop it off at the doorstep and, and see you later. Like, no, we want a, a partner vendor that when you're okay. when your help desk calls their help desk, that the two people are on the same page and you're not calling like morons or people that don't care that pass it through tier one, three, four, five, six, seven, ABC. Yes, that's important. But the fact that you're taking acknowledging taking credit taking responsibility responsibility the ability to respond correctly 
response ability, the ability to I respond. Like that. The uh, that's a Stephen Covey thing. I ripped it off, so sorry. Seven habits of highly effective oh, people. Responsibility. Yep. I use it for I'm my kids. I use it for my kids all the time. Yes. You have the ability to respond in a different way. <laughs> um, you don't yep. have to hit exactly. your brother. You can respond in a different way. You have that ability to take on the adoption aspect. Um, so no, adoption. And, and vendors need to, uh, you know, they, they say it, but they very uh, seldom show it. And that is moving from being a transactional type of relationship between you and a vendor versus actually creating that true Mm-hmm. Value partnership uh, is uh, it, it goes back to that the interviewing part. You know, managing your vendors and selecting your vendors that that really truly partner with you and help you through a journey and are there when you actually need them. Uh, I've been disappointed in so many so many ways, and uh, the vendors that I have created that type of partnership relationship with is uh you know they're almost they're part of your team and uh you, you need to treat them well just uh it comes a lot to, of it comes down up, to different to hold, hold yeah. on to, to good yeah like I, I it's it's no secret i've been working in telecom and internet forever and you have to um the way that people get compensated, the way that people do business, the model of business in general, uh, says a lot about whether someone's going to be there in the future or be there when you pick up the phone and call. Um, you know, CSPs, for example, I have a big issue with how a lot of CSPs do business, with how a lot of master agencies do business, and that's because... Um, the average sales rep, and this is across the board for most vendors, the average sales rep's lifespan is about, I think, eight months. It's actually really, really low. You would think it would be higher than that. But the average contract term for most vendors is 36 months. Yes. Some are 12, some are 24. Yeah. The average is 36. Some are 60, which is crazy. 60 yeah, think of what happens idea. in five years think of what happens in five years anyone that signs a 60 month con you're insane um yeah. so if the average sales rep is eight months then you should not be buying direct period you should be using a um a consultants kind of a bad word maybe uh in, in agents a bad word you should be using a advisor, technology advisor, partner, however you want to say that, um, that doesn't care what vendor you choose. They care about the solution. They care about the solution to your, to your problem and being there and getting paid, uh, in a way that doesn't, that there's, doesn't affect you, doesn't affect the vendor, I guess, so to speak, but gets paid in a way that's a residual component so that, they're always there for you. So it's not a get paid once transactional, like you said, transactional agreement where they get paid and they're like, see ya. Um, I don't need you anymore because I've got to go make another transaction. Right? No. Uh, when, when, a, when a VAR can act on that, you know, like the value added resellers, it's kind of, what, kind of what you're describing when they do their job correctly. And they they can take on that advisory role of it's not the first time they're selling a particular product to you. They've probably sold that product to 10 other people. Mm -hmm. They, they've, if they have good relationships with their other customers, they've had discussions um, about frustrations or, or uh, how, how those solutions have really worked for them. So they have all the knowledge and they need to be able to articulate that to you and help build that value proposition. So when you move up and, and you need to sell it to your leadership team, half of the work is already done because you have a good relationship with a, with a, like a, like you said, a, a, yeah, a like, true advisor. Right? Yeah, like me, I and do. And everyone uh, gets paid. 
I do one of my jobs this year has been uh, Microsoft Teams migrations, believe it or not. Um, go figure. And there's yep. a, a probably a hundred different ways you can do that. And I would say 99 of those ways are the wrong way to do it. And it's just a matter of people just don't know, right? Most IT directors think Microsoft, enterprise level agreement, whatever it is, and that's just not the right... You just don't call Microsoft if you want to roll out adoption. If you want to have a good adoption of Microsoft Teams, you don't go direct um, in you know, Microsoft, and you don't use an MSP, and that's kind of why I was beating on the MSPs earlier a little bit, and you don't do, there's just certain ways you don't do it. And as an IT director, there's no real way that you could, could know that, and it just so happens to be that it's one of my jobs that I've been doing a lot this year, and it's a job that an IT director does once. They do it once. You might you don't do it every day, so you're not expected to be the expert on it. And uh, I do do it every day, all day. So I can tell you, no, you don't pay a stupid twelve dollar license licensing fee for every single user. You're going to get ripped off, and that's low hanging fruit. And that's where you know. <laughs> Anyways, that's um. Just an example, and I we have been talking for an hour and seven minutes. That means it's a really good conversation. Um, the I want to thank you so much for being on the show, and it's it's been very very valuable. And I would love to have you back. I would love to have you write an article too, a very you know fire and brimstone article on is your MSP taking advantage of you or not? <laughs> or whatever you want to do that. Uh, uh, but I welcome I, anything I like, you want to yeah. give me. I like that one. I like the hire for digital transformation. It's, it's, uh, I'm really going to be thinking about that one more because uh, there's some there's some value there. Yeah, we got to um, one-up it. You know what I mean? we got to take all these, con- these things that people throw around all the time, like migrating to the cloud. Well, how do we take it to the next level, right? Okay, now that you've gone to the cloud, you know, like what is it, digital transformation? Okay, well, how do we find people to help us transform digitally? And, you know, um, so anyways, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. If you like this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with one of your friends. And remember, when it comes to IT, You always need to be dissecting, analyzing, and improving.